I was like, remember, I have a girlfriend that I've been dating for five years. Just like certain things that most people my age like aren't doing. And that kind of makes me like the old man at heart. <laughs> and also thinking about just thinking about investing and thinking about my five, 10 year projection. Now, I don't know exactly where that's going to be, but I've at least thought about it. Whereas I guess most people just don't. So I think the biggest thing is in order to have that mindset and even just start the, the ball of thinking about it, you have to surround yourself with people who think like that. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am so excited today to have Bailey Kramer with us. My name is Yona Weiss, in case you didn't know, and this is our podcast. So thanks for joining us. And thanks, Bailey, for joining me. Yes, I'm super excited, Yona, ready to get into it. I am at least as excited as you are. Um, I'm looking <laughs> forward to this. I'm glad we finally got a chance to meet in person uh, just a few weeks back in Orlando at the Jake and Gino MM4. That was an awesome conference. Met a tremendous amount of incredible people there and uh, was really excited to see you in the parking lot while I pulled up early in the morning. So great, uh, great to see you. And let's just give a little context. I mean, before we get into this conversation, so our listeners have a little context and understand how incredible and awesome you are and the trajectory that you've created and, and that you're going on right now. You're still in college, right? You're finishing up your last year in, uh, in Orlando, the University of Florida, and, are, and started learning about real estate investing while in college, had no previous experience, and have since you know, bought your first property at the age of 20. And are literally, you know, on your way to to just greatness. I mean, if if I may say so for myself, I mean, already having closed, bought, and even sold a few properties in the course of a couple of years uh, is just incredible. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate you, and thanks again for having me on. So, just to give the listeners a little bit more of a background, so going into college, I always knew I had that entrepreneurial spirit. Bringing it all the way back, Shark Tank is like what I give the give the main credit to is giving me that that energy and just willingness and want to basically create my own future, be the boss, be creative, and obviously make a lot of money in the process. So when I went to college, I just was a general business major. I didn't have any idea exactly what I wanted to do. All I knew was I had one goal, and that was when I graduated college, I'd be self-sustaining, meaning the income I create for myself, for my business ventures, that's what I'm going to be living off of. I'm not going to get a W-2. So freshman year goes by, and nothing really happened. You know, YouTube University, just looking at the, all the different side hustles and just the classic, you know, how to make money online, the simple stuff like that. And then sophomore year came around and I'm like, all right, the clock is ticking a little bit. You know, if I'm going to build something and it's going to sustain me, I probably need to get that going soon. So I looked up on the internet, best personal finance books, because that was just another topic that was kind of in the same realm. And one book that kept on coming up over and over again was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure, I'm sure most of the people who are listening to this podcast has, have at least heard that book. But that was the first book that introduced me to the concept of real estate investing and the idea of having your money work for you instead of you working for money. That was like right. the first time it actually clicked. I don't I know before this, I didn't know anybody who owned real estate besides like my parents who had like their own personal house that I lived in. Right. But besides that, no investments. Right. So I was hooked when I read the book. 
I back to Google, looked up how to get started in real estate investing because I niched down at that point instead of just making money, you know, how to make money in real estate. So the, the I'll give you kind of the quick story. We can dive into it more. Sure. But I found bigger pockets, fell in love with real estate. I was just fascinated. I heard fix and flip. I heard single family. I heard multifamily, wholesaling. I heard all these great things. I'm like, I'm ready to jump into it. Initially, I had my eyes and my heart set on multifamily. I ended up making a pivot six months later. We can talk about that later to single family. That's when I went all in on single family. And then since then, now it's basically about a year after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. A year later, I'm now a, I was now a junior in college and I closed my first property, which was a fix and flip deal. And since then have bought five more properties, a combination of long-term rentals, Airbnbs, and another fix and flip. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I want to, before we do unpack some of that, I want to kind of get back to um, kind of the basics in where you came from, because obviously you had, like you said, you started out in college, you already had that kind of bug of, I want to make money. I want to have something be self-sustaining, not have to work for anyone. So you already had that kind of mindset beforehand, but looking to others who may not be in your particular shoes. I mean, and I'm sure you get this a lot because you're involved on campus with other students, right? Student groups that are involved in investing and stuff like that. How do you present to them? And how would you present to some, maybe some of our listeners who are perhaps, you know, students or, you know, maybe just at their early stage in they've not yet bought their first property. What are some of those uh, like steps or not even steps, but just kind of the mindset to, uh, to kind of overcome to do that? Yeah. It's funny. I actually spoke at my UCF, my college's real estate club, literally two weeks ago, and kind of just basically gave a presentation on this, pretty much on this topic about investing, kind of what I've done. But what I would say is first, like like you said, like the mindset, you have to have the mindset for it because most people, just the reality of it is my age at my college, they're more focused on going out, partying, that kind of scene. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's never been my thing you know, ever since I could remember, I've never been a big partier. I've been like an old man at heart. That's what all my friends tell me. Ever since I can remember, I have a girlfriend that I've been dating for five years. Just like certain things that most people my age like aren't doing. And that kind of makes me like the old man at heart. <laughs> and also thinking about just thinking about investing and thinking about my five, 10 year projection. Now I don't know exactly where that's going to be, but I've at least thought about it. Whereas I guess most people just don't. So I think the biggest thing is in order to have that mindset and even just start the the ball of thinking about it, you have to surround yourself with people who think like that. And luckily for me, when I was when I was little watching Shark Tank, my dad was always that person that I would it was it was joking around, but it was kind of serious too. Like we'd be out on a boat, on our boat, and I'd see a huge yacht and I'd say, Dad, that I'm gonna own that yacht. And he'd point to one and say, How about this one? I'd be like, No, bigger, bigger. So I definitely had him as kind of a person that you know, helped me, I guess, while I grew up, develop that mindset and through sports and other things like that. But just, you know, whatever age you're at, as long as you're surrounded by the right people, that's kind of the key to, to that. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. That is key. Surround yourself with those people who are doing what you want to do. And like you said, for most kids in college, they're interested in partying because that's who they're surrounding themselves with. And if they wanted to be serious about investing or serious about anything in particular, go surround yourself with those people. If you want to, you know, be a good musician, right? Hang out with the, you know, the band and, you know, go, go exactly. to a music lesson, do whatever it is, like every, anything you want to do. So thinking about your future 
And like you said, your five-year, 10-year plan, at least thinking about that and figuring out kind of reverse engineering, like how can I get there? And that's going to change. Like it's probably going to change sure. every single year. Like you said, you first were like, okay, multifamily is a thing. And then you're like, okay, single family is a thing. And you bought a few single families. And now you're like, okay, this is awesome. It's working. And, but it could very well be in a year or two from now, you'd be like, okay, uh, maybe self-storage is the thing or whatever it is, because sure. who you're surrounding yourself with and, and opening yourself to opportunities, that's really where uh, I think for all of us, but especially people who are young and starting out, that's where you're going to see the main difference. Absolutely. And it's funny because one other thing I want to mention is people, again, my age, a little bit older, it might look like I have it all figured out. And I know exactly what I want to do. And I'm still saying, I'm still figuring out what I want to do. I have no idea if it's going to be Airbnbs for the long term, be multifamily. I know for sure, no, 100%, 110%, it's going to be buying real estate in some way, shape, or form. Because going back to just the roots and the principles of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's what got me into, okay, I know real estate as a whole is the place I want to be. But as far as where in real estate, right. I'm still figuring that out. Absolutely. So and it, I, I don't... I don't even know, and I, I'm totally okay and content knowing that I might not ever be content, you know, like where I am. I, I, don't, I could always be wanting a different asset class and obviously being thankful for where I am, of course, but I don't know. I don't think I ever need to be stuck in just one right. asset class in one direction. So sure. that, that's cool with me. Yeah. And I think the principle of the thing, as you mentioned, is realizing and understanding and applying that having your money work for you. And instead of trading your time for money, which is what most people do when they're, you know, having a career, having a job, obviously you spend time in real estate investing, that's for sure. But the fact that you have your capital, once you have those investments, there's a lot of that's hands-off and a lot of those things can just be working on their own. Obviously fix and flip, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, right? There's a lot of back and forth, there's contracts, there's dealing with, with issues. But Airbnb is a great example. I work with a ton of clients We've had on this podcast uh, a few people already who are very, you know, very into short-term rentals. We've had Avery Carl and her husband Luke Carl on the show, and both of them are just, you know, rock stars when it comes to short-term rentals, Airbnbs, and realizing that once you get something set up and you understand how to do that, you know, it's pretty much like hands-off. I mean, there's a little bit of time communication-wise with dealing with, uh, you know, maybe a couple of vendors or maybe dealing with guests as they're checking in, checking out. But other than that, like I have clients and maybe you can just talk to this a little bit uh, from your own experience, but people that are saying they're literally working maybe a half an hour a week on a property and is, you know, gr- you know netting them, you know, anywhere from ten dollars to $50,000 in profit, working a half an hour a week. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, and I I found the same same numbers, same kind of stats. The only thing is, so with with Airbnb, I, all my properties I manage, by the way, are all remote. So I'm in Orlando, Florida. I have a property in Wisconsin, two Airbnbs in Illinois, and I'm actually starting to manage one property in North Carolina. And I'm taking mm-hmm. on, I'm in the talks with two more clients just in North Carolina to manage their properties. And again, I'm completely remote and have no plans of living in any of those places. Right. So. As far as like the systems and the processes, like that's key. And then also the time piece to it as well. I'm really only needed now that everything's set up when something goes wrong. And that's like the only caveat because things don't go wrong when you want them to go wrong. They go wrong at like the most inconvenient times, of course. So for example, like I'll give you one quick, not so fun story. I was at my girlfriend's sister's Friday night wedding uh, dinner like pre-rehearsal 
And I get a message that the window broke in our Airbnb. And I was like, wow, this could not be any more inconvenient. And I had to take care of it. Luckily, I had a partner on the deal where I just texted him and said, hey, listen, and, and, he, and you know, he was free. So there, there's things to get around it. And as my portfolio grows, I'm starting to take on help as well. So I can kind of outsource those headaches. But yeah, when a guest submits a request to stay at my place, an automatic message is already going out to them. If they didn't have if they don't have an ID or an email attached to their Airbnb account, it's automatically asking them to do those things so that when I need to go in, I just need to accept the booking. And there's sometimes where it automatically accepts the booking if they're already a, a good guest. So that's all automatic. Uh, cleaner communication. When someone accepts a reservation, it automatically texts the cleaner. The day before the cleaner is supposed to come, it texts her again. So all these things are happening automatically and there's a lot more automations to it as well, but it's really a set it and review it once in a while. You can't completely forget it, but it's definitely, I would say, yeah, the 30 minutes is probably pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. Now, let me just ask you, because Orlando, I mean, you're in Orlando. Orlando is a pretty active vacation rental market. In fact, I know, uh, you know, like I mentioned, Avery, the short-term shop, like one of their main markets is actually in Orlando. So I'm curious, is that something you've looked into or is it just you're more comfortable in places that uh, other places where you knew beforehand? Yeah. So the reason why I didn't go for Orlando, it was pretty, pretty simple. So one, I lived in Wisconsin, which is, and again, an hour away from my properties in Illinois. So just like that local factor, that's like, that's number one. It's not like this foreign farmland that most people will think of, like that's where I'm from. So that's number one. But the second thing is through just my networking, where I went super heavy on in the beginning of my, and I still obviously network pretty heavy now, but I met somebody and I actually joined a mastermind group and I met him through the mastermind group. And he was based in Illinois, an hour away from where I was in Wisconsin. He had a little bit more experience than I did. And he came to me and said, Hey, I need help finding deals. This is like when Corona hit deals were, you know, you couldn't really find deals on the market. And he said, I need some help with some off-market lead gen. Do you want to help out? And I said, heck yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a lot of time on my hands and I'll hustle, but I don't know what I'm doing. And he basically took me under his wing and we learned it together. He had more life experiences like car sales. He never did any off-market lead gen. So we kind of learned it together. And I just put it pretty much through the legwork with the time. And then he filled the void with really his experience, which helped a lot. That's awesome. So it really comes down to the partnership. And, and I think that's an, a very valuable lesson to anyone listening to this, that if you you don't need to know everything, you know, you can jump in without having any really experience, um, kind of learn on the way, but leverage a partner. And I think there's there's so much value in that to just have a partner in whatever you're doing. And obviously you can do it on your own. Anything can be done on your own, but sharing, uh, you know, leveraging one another's time and uh, experience and also just res resourcefulness is sometimes yeah. you can figure out a problem better when you have two heads knocking at it. For sure. For sure. And, and especially when you're lacking the experience, the capital, your age, age should not be a, a limiting factor, but when you don't have any deals and you're young, just evidently it's a limiting belief just clouds over you. And obviously that's something that I was able to break through again by networking with the right people. But definitely when you when you started with nothing, it, it seems so daunting. So by pairing with somebody, it's almost like I gained his 20 years of experience or you know, 20 years of adult life by just partnering with him. Now I didn't need to figure out all these different things on my own and waste my time. I pretty much got plugged in right away. Incredible. 
It's awesome. There's so much value in just apprenticing and just having, you know, someone, a mentor or someone older than you who has more life experience. So you can just kind of rely on them for, uh, to learn from that. That's awesome. Uh, I do want to kind of circle back to something you mentioned before. Just in passing, you mentioned you, you spoke at this local, um, I, it was a college on-campus meetup. Like, what, what was that exactly? Yeah. So we have a local UCF. That's my college, UCF, University of Central Florida Real Estate Club. Oh, okay. And every week or two, usually bi-weekly, there's meetings and di- basically they bring in different people from different areas or you know, local, but different areas of the real estate business. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to speak uh, just yeah, a week or two ago. Very cool. So the people in that club, they're all students, right? Correct. All students yeah. All students. So I think that's awesome. And, and this really goes back to something we talk about a lot on this podcast is just going to local meetups. And so obviously a student club, if you're a student on campus, like check out, there's probably a real estate club. And if there's not make one, right? Be the right. catalyst <laughs> and be the one who makes that club. And because you're going to leverage each other uh, and you'll end up meeting other people who are interested in the same things you are. And like we said before, surrounding yourself with the people that are going the, the direction that you want to go or are doing the things that you want to do, that's going to get you there faster. And even sure. if you're not a student, there's no clubs, there are local meetups. And even if there aren't any local meetups, there are now online virtual meetups happening everywhere, all over the place, every day of the week, every hour that you can imagine. So there's really no excuse to to networking, even if you're an introvert. I'm an introvert. Okay. Listen, guys, I don't like to go out there. I didn't always like to go out and talk to people and and go. But you know what? When it comes to, you know, just putting yourself out there, you just got to do it and you'll get used to it little by little. So for sure, just get out of your comfort zone, figure out how to meet people. And, uh, you know, if you need help, ask for it and ask, you know, people like me or, or Bailey or anyone else there, we're out there to, you know, to kind of help and, and be resources. So don't be shy. For sure. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the meetup thing, because about a year and a half ago, I was basically five months into just learning about real estate. This is kind of Redrich said, poor dad did the bigger pockets thing. I'm like, all right, I'm getting serious now. And at the time, this is when I chose multifamily as my route. And after again, surrounding myself with those people, I said to this guy, there's no meetups around. And he pushed me to actually start my own meetup. This is when I had like zero credibility, like literally nothing. And started my own meetup, started, it was all virtual because of COVID when COVID first hit. This was like back in May, June, July. And it was the Orlando multifamily meetup. But I had people from all over because it's just, there's so many meetups going on Mm -hmm. that you can either attend one. And then if there's not any in your area, virtually, locally, or you just want to, you can start your own, which is just incredible. Yeah. And go for it. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, you may get one person that shows up, you may get five people, you may get 10 people, but you know what? It's just finding an opportunity, like any business person, any entrepreneur, that's really what it is. You see there's a lack and you try to fill that void and try to create a solution for that. I think that's uh, a great way to do it uh, through meetups. So I want to actually transition now, Bailey, to what we call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. These are great, but you can take them long, short, however you want. Uh, The first question I always ask is, what's the worst job that you ever had? Worst job I ever had. This is actually my first. So I've been been a grocery bagger, cashier. That was like my main gig in high school for like a year and a half. And then towards the end of high school, I tried to get my entrepreneurial side going and I actually joined, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I joined an MLM, a multi-level marketing company mm-hmm. selling coffee. One, I'm not a coffee guy. Now let's start with that. I'm, I'm not passionate about coffee at all. I don't drink coffee. So that alone wasn't 
that it was a good learning experience because I realized don't sell something that I don't actually like. Mm-hmm. But I would say that was a that was pretty tough because I thought I was, you know, you see the numbers, oh, you can make X amount of money if right. you do this, this, and this. So I was all hyped. That's probably my bur- my biggest and first letdown in business. Glad it wasn't like actually anything big. It was just like a two hundred dollar investment and more like mental than anything else. Mm-hmm. So it taught me a lot of lessons. But I'd say like that is the worst. That was like my worst starting experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's something <laughs> that anyone who's experienced any, anything like that, like they're so it it's so misleading. I think that's what's um yeah. what gets me about the MLM. And I actually I actually almost joined one at one point. Like some guy, one of my clients actually was like you know, trying to push me and pursue. Like, oh, you can do this and this and this. This. I was like, listen, I'm not really interested. He's like, no, no, just come on the call. I'm gonna introduce you to like the head guy. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was making like twenty million dollars a year. That I'm like, I'm not interested in money. You don't get it. Like, just yeah. leave me alone. He's like, oh. yeah. But it is a lot of misleading because for a very, 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 very small percentage of people, they actually make it, and you know, they kind of make it out to be, oh, well, everyone can do this. It's like so easy, right? Yeah, um, and at the time I, I had no idea what it was. So that was like a that was also a good learning experience of finding out firsthand what is MLM. Cause you hear people, I hear people talk about it now. And I'm like, oh, I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Having a firsthand experience obviously gives you a much better clarity on uh on what it's all about, um, how to avoid that in the future. So second question is gonna be what is a book you've read? And you already mentioned the Rich Dad Poor Dad, but maybe maybe another one, a book that's given you a paradigm shift. Yeah, so of course. Uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a go-to. I'm reading one right now called Traction by Gino Wickman. And I've already heard, I already felt like I read it just because I hear so many people talk about it, but I'm like, no, I actually need to read the book myself so I can pick out my own nuggets. And I'm only a couple chapters in, but so far it's already been a huge shift in organizational structure and how I structure my business now and going forward with the different roles from the visionary, from the, to the integrator, to the actual people. So you know, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to be in the day-to-day. It doesn't mean you have to be the integrator. There's so many different roles. And that's kind of what the biggest thing I'm learning just from this book is where I see myself in my business and how I can use that to grow, to start businesses and to make me happier, more efficient and more effective. Yeah. Finding, you know, I think any book that allows you to look into yourself and introspect and see like, oh, who am I? Or what am I good at? And what are my skills? And how can I now leverage that to be the best at what I do? And oftentimes, if you're able to do that, you you end up finding out that, hey, I need to actually find other people to surround myself with that can do these other things that can complement my skills. Uh, and so having a book like that, and we'll definitely put that in the show notes, anyone who's interested in traction, it, it's a game changer. It is. It's one of those books that really just going to change the way you uh, you think about about scaling really. Right. For sure. For sure. So third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Yeah. If I could learn one skill, it would probably be within the digital ad space. It's something that I have zero experience with. And now I'm at the point where I think my time is spent better spent somewhere else and hire, you know, hire that out. But if I can go back to my high school self and say, Hey, learn one skill, I would say learn about ads and, and, you know, Facebook, Google, but also just kind of like the psychology behind it. And and also copywriting is another huge one that kind of goes hand in hand is how to write compelling stories. Mm -hmm. If, If I like going back, that's what I would have done again. Now I think my time 
is better spent elsewhere. But yeah, just copywriting and, and learning ads is, is just huge. Those are great. Yeah, great skills. What about now going forward? Come on, anything. It doesn't have to be business related. Anything you, you'd like to learn? Learning, honestly, another language. So Spanish would be my next, or I only know English right now fluently. I'm, all, I'm pretty much fluent in English. But Spanish, <laughs> if, I, if I could learn... Spanish has always been on my radar and definitely something I want to do for not necessarily just for business. That's kind of more of a personal travel thing and just connecting with people. Mm-hmm. So that, that'd be my next thing, Spanish. That's huge. That's awesome. That's great. Learning new languages is incredible. You really do. The best way to do is really to kind of immerse yourself. And if you can travel somewhere yeah. where you're just surrounded by people speaking that and you have no choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, and fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? Yeah, that's a tough one. So success, I think what success is to me is chasing your true goals, your your true reason, your true why. As long as you're in the actual hunt for it, to me, that's that's success. Although for me right now, I haven't accomplished all my goals. I haven't, I'm not gonna be where I am in 10 years, but also in 20 years, I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be farther ahead than I was 10 years ago. So as long as I'm in the active pursuit of what I'm trying to do, and I'm, I'm doing that on a daily basis, that's success to me. That's what it's all about. Just being a little bit, little bit better every single day. And even not a little better, at least you're aligned with where you want to be going, right? And, and just sure. being, being cognizant of that, being aware of that, and, uh, and keeping track of that, keeping yourself uh, accountable. Um, so I love that. Yeah. Success is really, and we've said this a lot on the show and a lot of guests kind of share this as well, this thought that success is not a destination. It's really a journey. Like it really is like every day. If I can be, if I can do today, accomplish something, even if it's one thing like that's successful, that's good. Right. I I think, I think too, like kind of going back to again, the the earlier mindset of like the high school, middle school days is people just see a, a fancy car or they see a high paying job as that success. But realistically, once you know you start to just live life and get a little bit older and surround yourself with more people, you realize that it's definitely not a de- not a destination. You don't just get to success and then you're chilling for the rest of your life. It's definitely an ongoing ongoing place. Yeah, hundred percent, Bailey. This has been awesome. Really great speaking with you. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Best way is through Instagram, the underscore Bailey underscore Kramer. Uh, you can also find me at baileykramer.com. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok even. So um, yeah, you can find me pretty much. If you look up my name, Bailey Kramer, you'll find me on the internet. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll find you. And we'll put those in the show notes also if anyone's interested in connecting with you. I really hope they do. And this has really been an awesome conversation. I'm excited to see where you are going because I know it's going to lead to good things. And uh, I'm really glad we got the opportunity to, to speak and catch up today. Yeah, thanks, Yona. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining us again all the way till the end, listening to this great conversation. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss. 
and love to hear from you.